The BSN Nuggets podcast is presented by InWeGo, Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can for only $39 per month with no additional costs or fees. You heard that right. No additional fees. Literally hundreds of events in and around Denver for $39 a month. For instance, guys, over the next few weeks with InWeGo, here's what you can hit up. Nuggets versus Celtics Monday night at Pepsi Center when most of you guys are probably listening to this pod. Beer flights at Prost Brewing. Sea versus Washington State this coming weekend. Countless comedy shows at Comedy Works. There's literally something for everyone. If it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that InWeGo can get you in. Here's where it gets good. We've actually partnered with InWeGo to give BSN listeners a great deal. If you go to InWeGo.com backslash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe, you're actually going to get 50% off your first month. That's right. All those events and more in Denver for under 20 bucks during your first month. InWeGo is a great app. You can go to all those events and more. You feel like a VIP at these things, really exclusive stuff. And I guarantee you, if you try it, you're going to fall in love with it. So again, go to inwego.com backslash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He turns out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into the BSN Nuggets podcast, of course, presented by InWeGo, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver. Harrison Wind here, Monday edition of the show, solo show. I'm recording this Sunday here. Going to get you guys set for the Nuggets and Celtics. Monday night at Pepsi Center, another marquee showdown against another top-tier team like the Celtics. Man, this one is going to be a lot of fun. I've heard this is another sold-out crowd. If you guys who are listening to the show have been to Pepsi Center four games this year, You've been killing it. The crowds have been unbelievable. That Utah crowd when Mason Plumlee hit that three, and then I forget who it was, but somebody missed two free throws to trigger the free Chick-fil-A for everyone in attendance. I don't think I've heard the Pepsi Center louder than that in the three-plus years I've been coming to games. So the environment has been electric at Pepsi Center, and I'm sure that will continue Monday against Boston. Unfortunately, there are probably going to be a good amount of Celtics fans there, but this is another showdown, like I said, against a top-tier team, a really good opponent coming into Pepsi Center. The Celtics are 6-3. and three. They've got a 4.1-point differential. Something crazy about the Celtics so far this season, it's not their defense because we knew their defense would be great. 98.9 points per 100 possessions they're allowing. They're the best defense in the league so far this year. They were in elite defense last year. They're bringing back most of their guys, so I don't think that's a huge surprise. We thought they'd be really good on that end of the floor. Their offense has been awful, though. Coming into this matchup on Monday, the Celtics are 27th in offense. 27th. 
only averaging 102.7 points per 100 possessions. So I wouldn't be surprised if this Nuggets defense had another really good showing against a struggling, struggling Celtics offense. So we'll see how it goes. But on today's show, I'll get you ready for this game by going to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline because I asked for it on Friday and you guys freaking delivered. Four questions I'm going to get to on today's show covering a wide range of topics that you guys called in about over the weekend. So I'm going to get to those here in a moment. If you've never called into the show and want to leave a message, the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, best way to get your question on the program, 1-800-BSN-8394 is the number to call. 1-800-BSN-8394. If you've never called before, all it is is an answering machine. So leave your name, leave where you're calling from, leave a question, and we will play it on the show. Maybe it's a take. Maybe it's an opinion you're looking to get off your chest. But uh, we welcome questions about the Nuggets or the NBA just at large. So without further ado, let's go there right now. Hey, guys. uh, This is Spencer from Aurora, Colorado. Uh, Big-time fan of the podcast. Thank you guys very much. Been listening for about two years now. Great content. Anyways, I just wanted to say um, if I can have kind of a reaction about the team. Um, this team is just the strangest NBA team that we may have ever seen. Um, and they, you know, the stats for one individual player aren't always going to shine. This team just loves playing together, and it's really great because you guys brought up a great point in your uh, last podcast with Wancho's post game after the Cleveland game, and you know he was just talking about uh, how you know how much he loves playing with this team, and it's not about one individual player; it's about the entire team. And this team really feels like that. It seems like they don't care about the stats. We may you know not get all the All Star appearances that we want out of this out of this crew, um, but, you know, they're going to be able to get wins by playing together. And, you know, if you guys could just speak to that, you know, how this team is put together great. And even that 2016 draft class is turning out to be amazing. Tim Connolly needs to be re-signed. Uh, thank you very much. Keep up the good work and hope you have a great day. Spencer, my man, thank you for the call. And it's a great point. And I'm happy to talk about it because it's like, I think it's one of the coolest aspects of this team, how much they love playing together, the homegrown talent here, how just organic the chemistry is, how organic every guy is on this roster. Nobody's fake on this team. You know, there's a lot of prima donnas in the NBA. I don't think you'll find any in the Nuggets locker room. And for a lot of reasons, but you know, for some of those I just laid out, this team just seems like the perfect team for Denver, right? You've kind of got this underdog superstar in Nikola Jokic who has come out of nowhere. You got Gary Harris and Jamal Murray, two homegrown guys in the backcourt that are going to be here for a long time. The role players filling out this team have mostly been drafted by the Nuggets, Wancho and Malik Beasley. And what Wancho had to say after that Cleveland game was so telling because if you had asked that question that Chris Dempsey asked to Wancho about not playing the game before and just staying ready and being unselfish and cheering his teammates on in huddles during timeouts when he's not playing that night, you probably would have got the same or a similar response from a couple different guys because that's just the mentality of this team right now. These guys have all been around each other for two, three years, most of them. 
Nicole Jokic, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, Wancho, Malik Beasley. This is their third year together. It's a long time in the NBA world when players change teams with the drop of a hat. They have a strong connection with one another. They love playing with one another. They love playing for the Denver Nuggets. And what a lot of people around the team will tell you when you ask them about the roster here is that there's not a bad guy in this locker room. It's true. There's not a bad guy in the Nuggets locker room. Sure, there are guys who are jollier than others. Still, guys will pout from time to time. You'll find that in any NBA locker room, but it's few and far between in Denver. And I think that's for a couple reasons. One, Tim Connolly and Arturis Karnasovas, the two guys at the head of this operation who have been choosing the players who are going to be in Denver and who they are going to build this team around, specifically chose high-character guys to fill this roster and organization with. That's been one of their priorities when looking for players to bring into this franchise. Also, Michael Malone deserves credit for harvesting the chemistry with this group. The coach deserves a lot of credit because, sure, Tim Connolly and Arturis Karnasovic put the players in place for him to coach, but Michael Malone's the guy who's at ground zero every day at practice working these guys and forming relationships and making sure nobody's stepping on each other's toes and managing people day to day. He deserves a lot of credit too, but again, it comes down to the players and it comes back to them. It's such a good group. They love playing for one another. I can guarantee you if it wasn't Wancho, if it was Malik Beasley, if it was Trey Lyles, if it was Mason Plumley, if it was Tyler Lydon, you would hear a similar quote from them that you heard from Wancho after that game when it comes to staying ready and playing for the team and not playing for yourself. So Wancho kind of exemplifies it because he's all about team. And I think part of that probably has to do with his European upbringing. And over in Europe, when you develop as a player, it's not about the individual talent. It's not about you know your one-on-one play and about how many followers you got on Instagram and how many views your high school mixtape on ballislife.com or overtime has. It's not about that. It's about team. It's about playing for each other and playing in a system unselfishly. And so I think that's a big part of it too. So good question, Spencer. Definitely appreciate that. It's a interesting topic and, and something that probably doesn't get talked about enough with this team, just the organic chemistry that these guys have with one another. And I agree with what you said at the top. It's a really weird team. It it is. It's not your typical NBA team. And I think that's what makes it really unique and really cool. Obviously behind Nikola Jokic, who is one of the weirdest, most unique players in the entire game because of what he does on the court, but also because of what he does off the court. And the fact that he is so unselfish, everything starts with your star player typically in the NBA. And guys usually fall in line and take on their identity. And I think that's another reason why this team is so unselfish and so tight-knit because look at Nikola Jokic. He's the biggest example of that in the league today. Got one more question to get to before go ahead and take a break real quick or do a read. We've got a question from Ranchman. Hello, Harrison and Christian. It's Evan from Castle Rock, a.k.a. Ranchman. Just a quick follow-up to last week's call. And I want to apologize. This is a bit long-winded. 
You'll recall it focused on Jamal Murray's assist statistics last year and during the early start of this season. He's still in my mind today. You know, I love him as a shooter. I have no concerns on whether his three-point shot is falling or not on a given night or even for a string of games. He's just that good. But I said in my earlier call, he's more of a 1.5 position player than a 1. Maybe he's edging closer to 1.6. Last night's fourth quarter was so darn exciting, but the need for that and some of the other close games has been would have been mitigated if Murray could get the ball moving to his teammates more quickly in the possession and have a better handle. You know, some say that since Jokic is so terrific at creating assists, and that was certainly exemplified last night, the need for a traditional point guard is reduced. I say if you can have a great point guard to complement Jokic's skills, the team is going to be that much more potent on offense. Oh, and by the way, remember that uh, I went all the way in during the preseason and predicted 53 wins. Feeling pretty good about that. But let's see how this upcoming road stretch in mid-November against the Pelicans, Bucks, and Timberwolves turns out. That's a ball buster. And that will really tell us something about this team. Can't wait. Keep up the great work. I'm out. Yeah, Jamal Murray has had an interesting year, I'd say. Expectations were so high for him coming into his third NBA season. I mean, he was a trendy pick for most improved player. The GMs selected him in their survey to win most improved player. There was some buzz around him. Could he lead this team in scoring? I never really bought into that because I just felt like his offense was too inconsistent last year to average above 20 points per game. I mean, sure, he'll hit 20 on a lot of nights here and there, but you know he'll also hit eight or nine points on a couple random games. The struggles that he's had are... are Pretty clear. I don't think you have to be an NBA savant or work in basketball to notice where Jamal Murray struggled over the past couple games. Like his counting stats look fine. You know, if you were just to glance at the box score and look at his numbers year to year, obviously, except his shooting, which for a third consecutive year, he started out really cold from three point range. His counting stats look fine. 15.7 points per game, shooting 43% from the field. That's a little low, just like his three-point percentage, which is still under 30%. Shooting 90 from the line, 4.4 rebounds. That's a career high. 3.3 assists, just like what he averaged last year. 1.6 turnovers, quite a bit lower, or I guess half a turnover lower than the 2.1 he averaged a year ago. But his struggles are pretty obvious. He struggled to get the ball to Nikola Jokic and kind of initiate this Nuggets offense. He struggled with a couple things you have to do to be a point guard in every way, shape, and form of the word in the NBA. That's where he struggled the most this year. And I would agree with you, Ranchman. I'd say he is a 1.5 if you're trying to decide on a position with him. I believe in the modern NBA, he can definitely play quote-unquote point guard because less and less your point guard, especially if you're playing with a guy like Nikola Jokic, has to do classic point guard things. I mean, we're not in the John Stockton, Carl Malone era anymore where you're just running pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll. Naturally, point guards these days are more score-first guys, and that's exactly what Jamal is. But no doubt, he's definitely struggled initiating the Nuggets offense and getting the ball to Nikola Jokic. Murray's play kind of stuck out like a sore thumb against the Jazz, to be quite honest. Again, his counting stats looked fine. 
7 of 16, hit a 3, was 4 of 4 from the line, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 turnovers, 19 points. He was a plus 18 overall, but the ball was just not popping, as my friend Adamares likes to say, when Murray was running point guard for this team. It seemed like he struggled to get Denver into their sets. He obviously struggled to pass the ball into Nikola Jokic in the post or at the elbow, just enter it there and kind of initiate a set. He struggled a bit with his ball handling over the course of this season. We saw it at times against Utah. Like Going against Dante Exum is tough. Jamal Murray had some issues with that. We saw it in the Laker game, especially going up against Lonzo Ball. We've seen it here and there in the opener against Patrick Beverly. The guards that are a bit longer than him maybe and apply a bit more ball pressure than your average NBA point guard that he's going up against. He struggles with his handle from time to time, and that's something he's going to have to work on. I don't think Jamal Murray is in trouble by any means. What I felt about him as a player coming into this season probably hasn't been impacted by his early play, but he definitely hasn't shined. I don't think in a way a lot of people expected him to coming into this season. Like Coming into this year, You guys know this. You probably could have made the case that he was the Nuggets' second-best player, and I'm sure a lot of you did. Now, he's at best the Nuggets' fourth-best player so far this season behind Nicole Jokic, Gary Harris, Paul Millsap, whatever order you want to put them in. I actually think there's a case you can make that Paul Millsap has been this team's most important player, that Nicole Jokic has been this team's most or best important player whichever way you want to cut it, or that Gary Harris has been that guy. He's probably been the most consistent guy in that respect on both ends of the floor. But Murray's clearly this team's fourth best player right now. Quite a shift from what it was at the beginning of the season. So that's what I'll be watching very closely over these next few weeks. Can Jamal Murray be more of a point guard for this group? Just initiate the offense better, get the ball into Jokic's hands better. Jokic has called for the ball so many times on the post and at the elbow, wide open with his defender draped on his back, and Murray just has not been able to get it to him. And you've seen Jokic frustrated with that. You've seen Michael Malone frustrated with that. So we'll see if he can get better at that. Going up against Kyrie Irving, that's a point guard who you know Murray should be able to at least – bring the ball up the four against and initiate the offense against Kyrie Irving's not the type of guy who's going to get really up into you on the defensive end of the floor. So we'll see how he does against Boston. Then he's got Mike Conley next on Wednesday. That could be another tough matchup for him, a veteran point guard who certainly knows how to play against younger point guards who might be struggling with their ball skills at the time. And yeah, ranch man, 53 wins. You called it. Maybe you didn't call it yet. We still got a long way to go this season, but uh, the 53 wins, I would have thought that was a bit ambitious to begin the season. I had him at 50 wins. I was even on the high side of a lot of local media guys here and a lot of people around the team in terms of predicting what this team could do. But yeah, it seems like they're certainly on that course and an eight and one start now they can definitely get to 50 and and even beyond that. But their schedule is about to get a lot tougher. They've had a nice little schedule to begin things here, a real home-heavy schedule. And their schedule does continue to stay home-heavy, but they're going to play 11 games in the next 20 days. I don't think the Nuggets are going to have a practice, not counting shoot-arounds because those aren't really shoot-arounds. I don't think they're going to have a practice 
for like the next month, it's going to be game, off day, game, or game, off day slash travel day, and then a game. There's not a ton of room for practices here. Before we get to some more questions, I want to tell you guys about an awesome deal right now for BSN listeners with Total Beverage. You probably already know that Total Beverage has the most liquor in Colorado at the best prices in Colorado, but now they're actually delivering it anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie for a limited time. This is a really great offer. Total Beverage is offering $10 off a $50 purchase, but you got to do it on their website and app. You've also got to use the promo code BSN10. Again, use promo code BSN10. Get $10 off a $50 purchase from Total Beverage on their website and app. So make sure to check those guys out. Total Beverage, great one-stop shop for all your beer, liquor, wine, spirits needs, whatever the heck you guys drink. All right, back to the Total Beverage fan hotline. Quick note, I did get a call from somebody with a 970-227 number. But he had a bad connection or something. Could not understand what you were saying. There was a lot of static there. So call back in after this Celtics game, and I'll be sure to get your question on the show when we record post game. Also, to Spencer's question at the top, yes, Tim Connolly should be signed to a contract extension. That should have been done yesterday. But let's go back to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline right now. Yeah, this is Steve from Boulder great win against the Jazz. And um, you know, I'm just wondering if you feel that our heavy hitter, three-point shooter, Mason Plumley, uh-huh, if his three-pointer um, is not only going to ignite uh, what happened in the fourth quarter, which was uh, a much better three-point percentage for the whole team, if that's going to carry over, do you think, um, in the uh, future games and the and this uh, percentage that we've had uh, from a three-point land is going to rise based on uh, this uh, kind of amazing inspiration of Plumlee uh, making that critical shot against the Jazz. Thanks a lot. Great show. Thanks for the question, Steve. I certainly hope for the Nuggets' sake that Mason Plumlee's first career three-pointer against the Jazz cures whatever bug the Nuggets have had them three-point range. I want to use this question to talk a little bit about this Nuggets offense and why I think some people might think it's struggling, whereas if you look at the numbers, it's not really struggling so much, but I think everyone can agree it just looks a little bit different than last season. I believe a portion of that is because the threes just aren't going in, and to Steve's point, I mean, if you don't know by now, that's been the biggest thorn in the Nuggets side this year. It's their three-point shooting. The Nuggets are 28th in three-point percentage this season as a team. They're only hitting 30.6% of their threes. It's shocking because last year, this was one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. They hit 37% of their threes last year, good for seventh in the league. And hey, they brought back pretty much the entire same roster from a year ago. So it's the same guys, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Trey Lyles, Torrey Craig, Paul Millsap, at least throughout the early parts of the season, just not being able to hit threes and not being able to hit open threes. Malik Beasley and Wancho and uh, Nikola Jokic and Monte Morris are really the only guys who have been themselves from three-point range. And where it really comes down to is the Nuggets are not only missing threes, they're missing wide-open threes. 
the Nuggets are only shooting 33% on three-pointers where the closest defender is at least six feet away per NBA.com. You guys can actually go and look this up on NBA.com backslash stats. The Nuggets are the third worst team in the league shooting wide open three-pointers. They're getting good shots. Their shot quality is good. You can look at advanced metrics from second spectrum that aren't available on NBA.com slash stats that will tell you the shot quality that the Nuggets are getting is really high. They're getting open looks. They're just not making them. And the fact that they haven't been able to hit wide open three-pointers is also strange. This year, like I mentioned, they're the third worst team in the league when it comes to hitting wide open threes. Last year, they were the third best team at shooting wide open three-pointers. They hit 41.5% of their threes last year when the closest defender was at least six feet away, what NBA.com deems as wide open. They were the third best last year. Now they're the third worst. There's really no explanation for it. I believe it will turn. I think it's only a matter of time. And what I was saying earlier about this Nuggets offense as a whole a lot of people that you will look at and ask, hey, you know, why isn't this Nuggets offense as good as it was last year? And if you look at the numbers, it's pretty much as good as it was last year. This season, the Nuggets are scoring 110.3 points per 100 possessions per NBA.com. I know those stats can look a little bit different based on what site you're looking at. Last year, they were at 111.3, so really only a point per 100 possessions worse this year compared to last year. It's like not even a basket per game. So the offense is scoring at around the same rate. It has looked a little different this year, and I've been talking with some people about why that might be. I do think if they were making more threes, there would just be more flow. The ball would be popping more. There would be more pace to the half-court offense. Guys would just be sprinting to their spots more. There would just be more energy, and that happens when you're making shots. But this offense also seems to be a bit more deliberate than it was a year ago. And I don't necessarily mean they're calling more plays because I don't really know if they are this year compared to last year. I don't think that's it, but it just seems like there's more definition. The offense is just more rigid in terms of where the ball's going and where this guy's moving and where that guy's moving. That's just what I'm seeing from watching. I don't know if it's the play calls. I don't know if Michael Malone's calling more plays this year than he did last year, but there just seems to be more order to the offense this year, where last year it was a bit more unpredictable. So again, the offensive rating is pretty much comparable from this year to last year. They're only scoring at a slightly worst rate year to year. The three-point shooting numbers obviously have a ton to do with it. If they were shooting respectable from three-point range, they would be putting up better offensive numbers this year than they were last year. So there's something to think about. But overall, I think the offense just looks a bit more deliberate, a bit more orderly. And I think that's why it just seems a little different from the eye test year to year. Before we get to this last question, I've got to go ahead and take a break real quick, pay some bills here on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. We'll be right back. Are you in search of natural relief from your daily stresses? Well, Strava Craft Coffee is a CBD-rich, hemp oil-infused coffee that is non-psychoactive, helps reduce pain naturally, keeps those coffee jitters away, and so much more. 
I started drinking it because I had degenerative arthritis and I would prefer to drink coffee that has natural ingredients in it for healing and this coffee treats the inflammatory process that happens from having degenerative arthritis. That was Robin. She's been drinking Strava Craft coffee every day for months now and she is so happy with the results. I would recommend it to America, to everyone, because it is a fantastic product. It delivers, it does what it says it's going to do, and it's amazing. Put your body back in balance with Strava Craft Coffee and see how good you feel. Order online today and use promo code BSN2018 for 20% off. That's BSN2018. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Harrison Wind here, Monday edition of the show. Boy, I cannot wait for Monday night. Nuggets Celtics at Pepsi Center. This team's so fun to watch right now. I love how they're winning with defense. It's so weird because I was not expecting this this year. I thought the defense would be improved. You've been listening to this podcast. You know that. I thought this defense could be league average. I did not think it could be this good. I'm not sure Michael Malone did either, although I tried to ask him if he thought it could be this good a couple days ago, and he uh, he brushed it off. But it's been fun to watch, and I think they'll have another strong defensive effort against the Celtics, a team who's been struggling on the offensive end of the floor. At least they should. How long can this defense hold up? That's actually what I did ask Michael Malone after last game. Here's what he had to say. Well, the defense tonight again, um, Stellar, how sustainable is it over the rest of the season? Uh, we're going to find out. I mean, but obviously we're 8-1, and one and uh, we have one of the best defenses in the NBA. Um, so, you know, why not? Why can't we do it? Uh, and that's our challenge, you know. Let, let's not uh, get soft with success. Let's understand why we've had success. I told our team this morning, I said, feel good about it, but we're 7-1 because we're third in the NBA in defense. And to hold that team to 40 from the field and 19 from the three um, is, a, is another stellar defensive uh, effort by us. So uh, my hope is that we continue to do it. There's going to be nice teams make shots. Um, but if you play that hard, good things are going to happen. I know that, and that's true. So is this defense sustainable? Mike Malone says we'll see. I don't think it is. I do think the Nuggets are vastly improved on this end of the floor, though vastly improved up and down the roster. Nikola Jokic has had some unbelievable defensive moments over the past few games. I thought that game against Cleveland was one of the best defensive games he's played in his NBA career. And he followed that up with what I thought was a very solid defensive game against the Utah Jazz. He's been great defensively this year. He's been as good on defense this year that you could have realistically hoped for him to be on that end of the floor. Gary Harris looks like an improved defender this year. He's flying around on the ball. He's flying around off the ball like a free safety, recovering to guys in the corner, helping out his teammates, rotating over. He's been great on the defensive end of the floor. Of course, I think it starts with Paul Millsap. That guy's been playing like a defensive player of the year candidate. I was having this discussion with Christian. Not sure if we had it off there or on air last week, but what would the Nuggets have to finish at defensively for Paul Millsap to garner defensive player of the year consideration? Because he's playing at that level right now. I've written that already. As of right now, he's a defensive player of the year candidate because the Nuggets are the third best defense in the league. If Denver's a top five defense and they're a top four seed in the West, 
he should garner Defensive Player of the Year consideration. He should be a legitimate candidate for that award. All right, that was a quick aside, but I wanted to get those thoughts out on the Nuggets defense, especially ahead of a matchup with the Celtics, where I think their defense might shine again. We got one more question to get to on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline today. Let's go there right now. Hey, guys. This is Harlow from Anchorage, Alaska, and uh, love your show. I um, really appreciate getting Nugget inside info up here in Alaska, and um, really excited about the team so far, and I hate to detract from the X's and O's and uh, the day-to-day stuff, but I am curious about um, some of the kind of short-term, long-term uh, roster issues that are going to come up with the return of uh, IT and Ill, Will, and um, and then later on, Jared Vanderbilt and uh, Michael Porter. So I was just wondering if you can maybe speculate, I don't know if I can use this word on your your podcast, but roster bait a little bit about um, what the the implications might be of the return in the short term of IT and Will Barton to the roster and the dynamics. And then I mean, I'm just curious in the long term, um, supposing that Jared Vanderbilt and um, Michael Porter are somewhere closer to their ceiling than their floor, what that might mean for the uh, Nuggets roster long term. Thanks again, guys. You do a great job, and uh, we'll uh, keep li- be listening and uh, go Nuggets. Thanks for the call, Harlow. All the way up in Anchorage, Alaska. Happy we got listeners up there. Yeah, I'll speculate a little on this podcast. I'm feeling up to that here on Sunday night. Isaiah Thomas or Will Barton, I'm not sure which of those guys are going to come back first, to be quite honest. The Nuggets haven't said much about Isaiah Thomas. He still seems like he's a little ways away from returning. They don't have a timetable on his return. What we do know is he's going to take it slow. He said he came back too early from the hip injury when he was with Cleveland last year, and he doesn't want to do that again. He's been very open, honest, and upfront about that. So I don't know who's going to return first between those two. Will Barton's going to be reevaluated in about four to five weeks here. You know, His return could still be weeks after that reevaluation. So it's tough to tell. Woj did put out on Twitter the other night that IT could be back sometime in December. Now, if that does hold true, maybe he's back a little bit before Will Barton. Maybe they're back around the same time. I'm not really sure. But you know, if IT is back around December, and I think there's a chance he is, if not January, the guy who IT is most likely to take minutes from, in my opinion, is probably Monte Morris. And that sucks because Monte Morris like I just said a minute ago about Nikola Jokic's defense and how he's played as good as the Nuggets could have hoped for him to play on that end of the floor, you can say a lot of the same things about Monte Morris. Been shooting the ball from three. He's been running his team really effectively. He's been playing so well that Mike Malone has moved Jamal Murray off the ball at times to get Monte more minutes and more playing time. He's forced Malone's hand here. So you would think that's who IT would be taking minutes from. But here's a thought. What if the Nuggets' second unit is a backcourt of Isaiah Thomas and Monte Morris? I know that's really small. I know that's probably not going to do a lot for you defensively. 
But what if when Will Barton comes back, he slides back into the starting three spot? And then what if your lineup off the bench is Monte Morris, Isaiah Thomas, Torrey Craig, Trey Lyles, and Mason Plumlee? I think there's a chance that group could be decent defensively. Mason Plumlee's been solid on that end of the floor. Torrey Craig's going to give you a good effort on that end of the floor. Monte Morris, for as small as he is, has been solid. Trey Lyles is going to try really hard on defense like he has all year. He's at least going to give the effort. So that group could be able to hold its own defensively, or maybe you go Monte, Isaiah Thomas, Malik Beasley at the three slide, Torrey Craig to the four, and play Mason Plumlee at the five. That could be an interesting bench lineup. I don't know how much scoring there is there, but depending on the load Isaiah Thomas is able to carry, that might work. So a couple things to think about there with the bench unit. But when Will Barton comes back, he's going to slide right into the starting spot. He will probably take some minutes from a Wancho, from a Torrey Craig, or from a Malik Beasley. You're probably not going to see one of those three guys, Malik, Wancho, or Torrey, eclipse or get close to that 30-minute mark when Will Barton gets back like one of them has done in each of the last few games. Two games, it was Malik. This last game, it's been Wancho. Last couple games, it's been Wancho. So I don't think you'll see that when Will Barton gets back. In terms of those other two guys, it's much harder to speculate because when I asked Michael Malone about Jared Vanderbilt and how close he was two weeks ago, he said he's still a ways away from even practicing. And that was a bit of a surprise to me. I thought he might be a little bit closer than that. And Michael Porter Jr., I'd still say he is the longest away from getting on the court out of all those guys. I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Porter does not play at all his rookie year. Vanderbilt, if he does play, he'll play in the G League probably. I I don't think there's a lot of room for him with this roster. Maybe he gets a chance for some spot minutes once we get to 2019. So those two guys I really wouldn't think about much for this year, whereas obviously when Will Barton comes back, he'll step into that starting three spot. He'll probably take some minutes from a Malik Beasley, from a Wancho, from a Torrey Craig. Those guys will see their minutes docked a few here and there. And then IT, you would think when he comes back, he's taking minutes from Monte Morris, but with how well Monte's played, there's a thought in the back of my mind where well, maybe Michael Malone rewards him and tries to make it work where he gets both those guys' minutes with the bench group. I don't know. We'll see. That's a luxury of this team right now. They're so deep, and we're really seeing the depth pay off for them this year. Because in my opinion, the story of this year so far is the defense, the third-ranked Nuggets defense. A storyline that's not too far behind in terms of importance is how good this bench has been. And you saw it up close and personal on display against Utah where Michael Malone rolled with that bench unit in the fourth quarter for really the entire quarter against Utah. And they played out of their minds. Mason Plumley, Wancho, Malik Beasley played so well. It was really fun to watch and We'll see if that can continue Monday against Boston. Thanks for the questions, guys. Again, the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394. Write that number down. Put it in your phone. Save it in your contacts. Call into the hotline after this game on Monday. Call and write the buzzer. 
while we're doing all our post-game stuff. And then when we record Monday night or Tuesday morning, we'll get those questions into the show. As always, thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow.